Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As a pastor, always we're looking for ways to expound on Scripture. And so the Amplified Version brings that expounding to this verse that, that we need to hear as we read this. And it says this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as living sacrifices, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and his purpose for you. Can we pray real quick before we get into this? Father, we need your wisdom guidance, but Father, even more importantly, God, give us ears to hear. Let us hear your word. Let us not just be hearers, but let it fall down into the depths of our souls so that we can become doers. God, we are done hearing. We are ready to be doers in the house of God. Thank you for your word today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Last week we started a series, a two-part series called Sacrifice. And if you missed it, I want to just help you for just a second. I want to go back, but I would encourage you to go back onto the app or the website and listen to it or watch it again because I believe there's a lot of great things in there. But just to recap for you, God has been speaking to me about this word sacrifice for about the last two months. The word sacrifice is defined as this, the surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered as having a higher or more pressing claim. I want to sit for just two seconds on that definition. It says the surrender or destruction of something prized. Can I ask you this question as your pastor, somebody who loves you but wants to bring truth to you this morning? How many things have more value than God in your life? And how many things do you keep alive that God keeps trying to kill? Ah. Can I just say this to you for a second? Sometimes God wants relationships to die and you keep, life, keep breath in them. And God's going, but I'm trying to get them out of your life. But God, I need them because if I don't have them, I'm not going to feel important. But you haven't found your importance in God yet. Right. There are things that we, we try to impress people. We try to present ourselves as, as trophies to the world, but not living sacrifices to God. Right. He says the surrender or destruction of something. What are you willing to give up? What do you find more valuable than anything? And I'm going to tell you what it is because we try to put words on it, but it's, here's the truth of it. We deem ourselves the most valuable possession we have. Work with me for a second. Everything we do is to benefit who? Us. We don't do everything to benefit everybody else. We do it at the pleasure and the benefit of our own selves. None of us in this room want to be put out or, or, or inconvenienced or, or have to give up something that we want. We want to do it because it benefits us. It's like if God says, Brian, I need you to fast for a week. The first response out of me is, God, how am I, how am I going to make it through the week without eating? It's more about me than it is about him. Think about it for a second. Brian, hey, I need you to give up this. I need you to walk. But God, if I do that, see, this is how we do this. We respond back to God when he says, walk away for something, sacrifice yourself. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And the moment we hear that, we respond with how we are not going to make it. 
rather than saying, God, if you said it, that settles it. I trust you because you'll make a way where there seems to be no way. This word sacrifice appears more than 1,500 times in the Bible. Three times more than the word love, three times more than the word faith. So obviously, the word sacrifice is a big deal to God. And just so you all know, sacrifice is not an Old Testament word. It is a biblical word. It is in the Old Testament as well as it is in the New Testament. Sacrifice never stopped from the cover to cover. So this is a big deal to God, but yet it's one you and I try our hardest to avoid. Because let's be honest, who wants to sacrifice? That's what I thought. None of y'all were like, oh, pastor, I, every day I wake up and I go, ooh, what can I sacrifice today? Oh, Lord, what can I give up? No, we're like, God, what can I keep a hold of today? The problem isn't the sacrifice. It's if we're willing to make the sacrifice. The sacrifice is not your issue. It's the flesh in you that decides whether it wants to give up the sacrifice. Let's be honest. Even if we call it a sacrifice, then we have a tendency to use the sacrifice as a bargaining chip to get God to move on our behalf. Now, I'm going to say this for just a second. Sometimes we'll go, God, if I fast, I need you to do this. As if Calvary wasn't enough. Here's what we've turned Jesus into. We've turned Jesus into a trick pony to benefit our flesh. And we tell God, hey, God, I'll do this for you if you did this for me in return. But if you don't act back, I'm not doing it anymore. And Jesus goes, so the cross was in vain. That wasn't enough for you. The fact that I saved you from an eternity in hell, that's not good enough for you. You want stuff that feeds your flesh, not that gains you eternity. We tell God things like, I'll give up this, but you have to do that for me. Let me say this to you, and I said it last week, but I want to say it again. Your life as a believer is not dependent on what you get from him. It's dependent on what you are willing to give to him. It is not dependent on, we have got to in the church, stop approaching God like this. God, I'm going to church. Where's mine? God, I'm going to pray. Where's mine? God, I'm going to fast. Where's mine? God, I'm only doing this 21 days of fasting because I'm hoping you're going to give me something at the end of it. We need to go with hands uplifted in a sign of surrender, not a sign of give me, give me, give me. Let me help you with something. If you put your hands like this, somebody taught me this years ago as a pastor, said this gets you nothing because your hands are limited. When you put your arms up like this, you become a vessel. This is the cup. Fill me up. When you come out like this, your hands can only take so much. Y'all ever gone to the store and gone, to, I'm going to go pick up a couple things, and you go, I don't need a grocery cart, till you get about the sixth aisle and you realize you should have grabbed a grocery cart because your hands can't carry anything else? Anybody want to join my club? Because I'm like, I'm a dude, I can do this. I got to get four things. And you find six more things that you needed to get. And you're like walking through the store and they're probably looking at you like, you dummy, why didn't you get a card at the door? Because I didn't come to put the stuff in. I came just to get what I needed to feed what I needed rather than making sure that I had enough room for him to fill up what he needed to fill. So last week we dealt with verse 1 where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. The takeaway that I was so desperately trying to get to you last week was this, that now more than ever is the time for true sacrifice. We are done with sacrificing stuff and hoping that our lives will change. He said, present yourselves, you, not your stuff, not your sin, not your lust, not your addictions, not your marital problems, not your finances. You, you, you are the sacrificial space. You, yes, you. He did. He came to deliver you from that stuff, but he came for you. Somebody say, he came for me. Somewhere along the line, we have gotten cultured in the church that the stuff is more important than the vessel. 
that if we keep bringing our sins, God understands that's the sacrifice. Uh-uh. He says, I came, I sent Jesus to redeem you. He didn't come to redeem your junk. He came to redeem you, hoping that he would give you a better opportunity so that you would leave sin behind and come to the Father. Not keep bringing your garbage to God and saying, I'm bringing me. No, because here's what you do. You put it on there and you go home and refabricate it. You go home and reproduce it. And you go, God, why is it not gone? Here's why. Until you're willing to crawl up on the altar of sacrifice yourself, not your stuff. We go to the altar. Oh, God, here's my stuff. Oh, God, touch it and take it away. And then as soon as church is over, we go back to the altar. God, I was just joking. I need this still. And God says, listen, until you're willing to sacrifice it all, until you're willing to lay yourself at the altar, nothing is going to change. You are the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. Where did a problem in us today where we just want God to take away our problems? God, just take away my, my itches. Take away my frustrations. Take away my this. Take away my that. How about I take away your you? How about I just get rid of your you and you become like me? How about I just, had, I'm, I'm done with your junk. I'm done with your excuses. I'm done with your wallowing in your self-pity. I'm done with you coming to the altar every week crying over the same old garbage. And I just want to deliver you, but you won't give up you. You just want to give up your stuff in the moment because that's the only reason you came to church today anyway. I'm only going to the house of God so he can fix my marriage because I got in a fight last night. How about this? Hey, God, I don't need you to fix my marriage. I need you to fix me. But it wasn't my fault. It doesn't matter. I want, to fix, I want you to fix me. How many times have we, ooh, married folk, just for a second. How many times have we gotten in arguments and wanted God to smite our spouses? It's not my fault. I didn't do it. It's something to God's, you got fixed. That thing's broken right there. That thing is messed up from the neck up. I can't fix that. Dad, I don't know why you called. This is ridiculous. God, I'm holy. She isn't. You need to touch her now. Well, don't, don't let y'all laughing because we do it. It's like, dang it, he knows. Yes, we know. The truth of the matter is, is what we should be doing is, hey, God, some reason there's a division between us. And before you fix that, will you fix this? Before I walk in the room acting like I'm high and mighty and holy and, and, and I'm perfect, God, if there's anything in me that's not of you, fix me. Here's what you don't realize. The sacrifice of you gives God the access to deal with what you can't handle. So when I present myself before God and say, God, fix me, it gives God, because here's what we do. When we say, God, fix that, we tell God how to fix it. God, no way, hold on. Look, I know you said you're done, but you didn't deal with that one piece. And I still see it. So you need to come back because your job isn't finished. Get over here, God. Let's work. But when you submit yourself as a living sacrifice in that situation, you're not consumed with what God's doing over here. You're consumed with what God's doing in here. That's just one area. But we don't do that anymore. We don't ask God to heal us. We ask God to fix our junk. God, I don't know why I'm so depressed and so alone and so sad. Well, first of all, maybe you need to get out your house a little more often. Amen. Um, maybe you get some better friends. That'll help you a little bit. Get some godly friends rather than some worldly friends. Um, maybe you need to have some encouraging people around you rather than the downtrodden people around you. Can, can I just, oh God, let me. Mm. 
Why is it that when marital problems happen, we tend to make friends with those who have already walked away from their covenant of marriage? And we befriend those who are broken because we need brokenness around us rather than wholeness around us. Because God forbid you become friends with somebody that says you need to stick this thing out because God, what God brings together, man can't tear apart. I don't know why I'm stuck on marriage this morning, but I am for a second. I don't know. My marriage is good. So just so y'all know, this is not counseling for me and my wife. We're good this morning. We're going to go home and be happy. Praise the Lord. We're going to cheer on the saints and pray a lot. Amen. Um, uh, there's just this space in us where we have a, a tendency to gravitate to broken people because it's easier to be broken than it is to allow God to bring healing and fix. But the reason we won't let God fix is because we haven't realized that we're the sacrifice. We just keep sacrificing stuff for a moment. What I was trying to get from you is even just out of the first, uh, first verse was to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Before you translate this as I can only present myself under the premise of holy and well-pleasing perfection, this is not what he means. He does not need you perfect. For Psalms chapter 51 verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. I love what Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does this not speak of a father who sees you where you are and doesn't say, Come to me, that you're all that are perfect? He says, Present yourself, and I'll handle the rest. Don't come to me thinking you have to be here. So many people go, Pastor, I can't be used by God because I'm not here. Come, just be a vessel. Walk in, crawl up on the potter's wheel, and let him do his greatest work in you, through you, and around you, so he can use you for his glory. So to translate this whole space of it is that sacrifice is you presenting yourself to God for his use and purpose, even if it doesn't look great or perfect, so that through Christ you might be perfected and fulfill his purpose in the earth. But let me give you a caution. Don't ever tell God to use you and withhold yourself from the altar of sacrifice. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was a promise to Abraham, yet God required Isaac from him. I'm a fervent believer, although we don't see it in Scripture, that Abraham spent his life at the altar sacrificing everything he had. Although to hear God say, get up and leave, and I'm not telling you where you're going, you're just going to go, and when you get there, I'll tell you to stop. That's some sacrifice, Jack. To walk away from everything, to walk away from your family and just walk because you know God spoke, that's some sacrifice. And so when God said, Abraham, bring me Isaac, God went, I've done this before. I know how to do this. See, when you live your life in a space of sacrifice, whatever God requires from you, you stop arguing. You just understand that he's the way maker. And he said, when he said to his son, he said, son, said, Dad, where are we going? He said, son, don't worry about it. We're going yonder to worship. See, he didn't say, I'm going up here so that you can die. I'm not going up here because I'm going to lose my son. Oh, woe is me. I waited for you my whole life, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And now God just wants to kill you, and then I'm going to be back to not no, no heir of my, my seed anymore. And so, oh, God, no. He said, son, get, get, come on, let's go. We got to go yonder to worship. God will provide. They get to the altar, and, and he puts Isaac on that. Now, come on, y'all know work with me, dads, for just a second. That's some crazy stuff right there, to put your boy on the altar and get ready to kill him because God demanded it, because God wanted it, because God wanted to see out of your obedience what he could birth on the inside of you. And then in a moment of obedience, God provided a ram in the thicket and said, look, I just wanted to see if you'd be obedient. Can I just help you with this? Sacrifice is proof positive that you'll be obedient to his voice. It's time, now more than ever, that we choose obedience, for obedience is even greater than sacrifice. Now to part two. Pastor, we're not at part two yet? Nope, that was just a precursor. Amen. 
That was the trailer. Now to the movie. Amen. This morning, now I want to take into step two, into verse two of Romans chapter 12, where he, defi- he defines how to maintain a living sacrifice. Mm, Jesus. I love how God says this in his word. He goes, here's what I want you to do. Here's how you're going to do it. Y'all ever, God wants me to do this. I don't know how to do it. Let me tell you why you don't know how to do it, because you haven't read the book yet. The only reason we don't know how to do what God's asked us to do is because we refuse to read his word. Because God gives you the, 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 the full-blown instructions. The problem is, is that most of us don't like instructions. It's kind of like when you buy something and you're like, I can put this together. I don't need instructions. And you got 17 parts left over and you're like, oh God, my child's going to die on their bike today. But then they got stupid and started adding extra pieces to the mix. See what I'm talking about? Like before you just had enough pieces to put the thing together. Now they give you three extras of everything. And you're like, dude, I screwed it up. And you're going back for three hours looking at the instructions. Here's the truth of it. God said it one time. It's up to you to be obedient to it. I love the fact that when in doubt, God's already laid it out in his word. So we've, we've read through verse 1. Verse 1 is what he wants. Verse 2 is how we're going to do it. So let's get into verse 2 this morning. It says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer. Somebody say any longer. No more. No more excuses. Y'all notice that the more I said, the quieter y'all got. No more. No more excuses. No more excuses. And do not be conformed to this world any longer, its superficial values and customs. The word conform is defined as this, to be or become similar in form, nature, or character. Here's the truth of it. The Bible says you can be in this world, but not of this world. You can exist here, but you are not a creation of this world. You are a creation of your creator who rests in heaven And one day we'll sit with you again in heavenly places. But I need to ask you this. What are we conforming to now? What what are we really conforming to now? I I could go a lot of places with this this morning. Probably offend a lot of people. Because it's very easy for me to do sometimes. Uh, But but, 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 but let me. me, I'm going to put this down. Because this is really going to fall off in just a second. Uh, Today's culture is conformed. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say it this way. Can we please stop calling a man the promise of God? I think it's quiet. God, so how the air got sucked out of the room when as soon as I said that. I'm going to say this out loud. This is for everybody watching online and for all of you sitting in this room. There is no president in history or today that is greater than God. Okay, we're all on the same page now? We're good, right? Good. So can we stop treating them that way? I I got into this conversation the day with QAnon. And and they're like, well, you look to QAnon. It's a word. I don't care. There's quacks in the earth. Come on, seriously. There's some weird people out there. Donald Trump is the, is the prophetic promise of a, of, a, of a attack on... No, you know what that is? The church is the promise of God and an attack on the sins of the earth. The body of Christ. The problem is, is the body of Christ hasn't been functioning. And so now we've put our hope in a man and made him our savior. And God's going, time out. You sleeping bunch of babies. Get up. And I'm editing right there just so y'all know. 
you bunch of whining sissies. Get up and be counted in this hour and declare the kingdom of God so that I might have my way in the earth. Okay, does it mean that God does not appoint kings and magistrates? But he never appoints them so they can become our God. But yet we are so needing of a visual perspective because we don't go see God anymore. We just want to feel God now. There's no more burning bush experiences where we see the presence of God. We just want to feel the goosebumps and know we're going to make it and feel good about our sin nature. And hopefully we'll make it to heaven if I do good. No, let me help with something. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, you commit to his ways more than your ways. And you love your neighbor. Yes, whether black, white, purple, green, yellow. I don't care if they look like Barney. You better love them. Whatever it is. He says, this is how you do it. This is how we inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to have to adapt to his ways, not yours. So if there's sin in you, get it out. If there's ways in you that are not of me, get it out. Because I cannot use a vessel that is broken. I cannot use a vessel who decides to willfully choose sin over me. I need a vessel that says, you know what? I'm choosing God over everything else. Conform. What are you conforming to? Who are you trying to please? Is God's pleasure, is God pleased with you or are you more concerned whether somebody next to you is pleased with you? I would want my son to want God to be proud of him more than me. Bubba, if I don't ever, if I'm never proud of you, you better make sure that you're walking with God. Because at the end of this road, his answer is all that matters. Daddy can't get you into heaven. I'm sorry. My bad. My dad was a preacher. My dad was a pastor. Doesn't matter. He couldn't get you here. Only you could. Only you, only you, only you. What are we conforming to? Come on, work with me for a second. We attend church and we call it a sacrifice. A bull, it is, your, it is your responsibility to come together in the gathering of the brethren in one accord. It says it in his word. Stop making Sunday mornings. Oh, God, I'm so tired. I don't, bleh, bleh, bleh. Shut up. No wonder you can't get in on a Sunday morning. You're too busy getting over your flesh. You dragged your dang flesh in the church and was like, here it is, God. God's going, seriously, leave it behind you and get into the house of God and let me do my greatest work. Come on, work with me. How many of y'all complain this morning? How many of y'all hit the snooze button more than once? Don't lie in the house of God because I know you're in here. I did it. Hello. I was like, dunk, dunk. God's like, you're going to keep playing this game. You're going to get out of bed. You're right, God. I got to get out of bed this morning. I got to go. There's times where I'm, I don't want to do certain things, but God says, shut up. I'm greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Boy, get your butt in my house and let's do some work. I got plans for you. I got purposes for you. So let me say this to you as a sidebar. If you got up this morning because you're fulfilling your duty roles as a Christian. Can you all know where I am on that word Christian? So for all you new folk, let me give you some good theology. The word Christian is a derogatory comment made for those who chose to believe in Christ. I'm going to break that down to you because most people don't want to study that. Most people don't want to read that. But, Pastor, I'm a Christian. No, the Bible declares you as a believer. Jesus even declared you as a believer. He never called you a Christian. Christian was a word that the world gave to us, that the Roman culture gave to us so that they could call us crazy. Can I just say this to you? It's no different then as the N-word is today. But yet we're like, I'm a Christian. Then you're a lackluster follower. But I'm a believer because what you believe in, you'll walk after You'll pursue, because if you believe in it, you won't walk out without it. Okay, now we're all on the same page. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. How many of you are still dabbling in sin and telling God, but you know my heart? 
God, you know me. You know my heart. God, I, I desire to do good, but I just can't. Listen to me. Sacrifice, altar, get on it. Let God have it. Walk away from it and don't go pick it back up. Because if you pick it back up, then the sacrifice is dead. It has no value anymore. And you have to go back again. You want God to deal with those things in you that you keep trying to let go and it seems like they keep coming back? Stop putting the stuff on the altar and put yourself on the altar. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values or customs. Stop chasing what the world chases and chase God. Run after him. Seek him. Look to him. Don't look to anything else. Who cares what your neighbor's got? Who cares if they get a house and you don't have a house? Who cares if they get a new car and you're still driving your old jalopy? Rejoice in the Lord. Be happy. You're not dead and gone. You're not in hell. You're not, you're not being burned up. You're just not gnawing and gnashing of teeth. Your flesh isn't being torn from your body just to be put back on and torn again. Like, come on for a second. But God, I want it right now. No, just work towards the promise that he has for you in eternity. Conform. Don't become similar to the world. Doesn't mean we don't love people who are in the world. You are not holy and high and mighty enough to walk away from the sinner, for Jesus even sat with sinners but we do not become part of them. Somebody said to me, Pastor, I really feel a desire to go minister to people. I said, really, it's awesome, man. What do you want to do? Because, man, God's laid a, a ministry for me to go into the bars. <laughs> Sidebar, weren't you an alcoholic? <laughs> yeah, but I just feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to go and minister to those who are in the bars. And, and I said, so you're going to drink with them? Well, if I need to. <laughs> Bubba. <laughs> Let's go to the altar. We got to get through this stuff, man, because God's, you, you're still holding on to some stuff. Like, we, this is how we do. We, we, we call it ministry as long as we can tickle our past. God, I, I know you called me, but you called me to this. Why, why? Because, because, well, because I'm comfortable in that. But I called you out of that, Brian. Why would you go back to that? Why, why would you go back into that stuff? Stop conforming to the world. Get, get off your social media if it's causing you to conform and become somebody you're not. Get off the social media if it's causing you to try to be something that God never purposed you to be. Be satisfied in who you are in Christ, not satisfied in who everybody thinks you ought to be. Put away the fact that you need more money to keep up with the Joneses. God will provide. He shall supply all your needs, not the world. Stop. He goes on, he says, do not be conformed to this world any longer in superficial values and customs, and, but be transformed progressively changed as you mature spiritually. I love what it says here in the Amplified because I think so many times we think that transformation is a... Happened right then. Bam, I got it all together. I'm perfect. Boy, I'm so glad God's grace and mercy exists because I am still a work in progress, Jack. Go to my wife after church and ask her. You can ask her. I don't mind. It doesn't offend me. Does Brian always make you happy? I'm not stupid enough to believe that because I know that face and I know when my wife's not happy. And that's when I'm like, hold on, let me go get with the Lord now because something's wrong with me. Okay, so the truth be told is that there's, there's not perfection, there's progression. Oh, somebody, I need to get that in your spirit. There's not perfection, there's progression. Stop expecting perfection when God has got you on a progression. Let him progressively mature you. Listen, you start when you're faithful with a little, God makes you ruler over much. Stop trying to be ruler over much when you don't even know how to handle the little yet. Walk through the process. Be transformed and progressively changed. Watch as you mature spiritually, not intellectually, 
not theologically, not humming. I can't even say that word. I don't need you to be a Bible scholar. I need you to have a desire to hear from the Lord. I need you to have a desire to grow in the things of God and allow God to chip away at the things that he's trying to remove out of you. He says, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. The word transform is defined as this, to change in form, here it comes, appearance, structure, condition, nature, or character. The one word that stuck out to me the most is the word appearance. To be willing to be changed in appearance. In other words, if I look at you, can I see God in you or do I just keep seeing you? Because if you are being transformed by him, the reflection that you give off will no longer be of you because you are flesh. You will start to reflect he who dwells on the inside of you, which nobody, I don't know, it's going to get really rough here real quick. Nobody wants you. They want what you have. Okay, I'm going to give you this case in point. My son yesterday was outside playing basketball at the house. And then some of the neighborhood kids came around and Judah, Judah said, they were talking and he said, man, I got to go to church in the morning. The kid goes, I, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And you go, oh, devil, Satan worshiper. That's not the case at all. He just doesn't have an understanding yet. Watch. What's it crazy that that same kid came over that evening because he wanted my son to come stay the night with him. What do you think that boy was pursuing? Was he pursuing Judah or was he pursuing that which dwells on the inside of him? Why does that boy have so much peace on the inside of him and I can't rest at night? Why is he okay and I'm not? Why does he have joy and I don't have it? Why, what, what is in him that I, I want that? I told him in the car, I said, son, he's not chasing you, son. He's chasing what's in you. He wants it. But see, we go, oh, I can't let my kid go over there. That's an atheist. He's going to catch the atheist disease. He's going to rub my son's arm, and all of a sudden, my son's going to become an atheist. What are you, dumb? That's like saying Jesus went with sinners and became a sinner. He who dwells in you is greater than he who dwells in the world. So I understand what's on the inside of my boy. So I said, son, listen, this is what we're going to do, because he didn't want to go over last night. We got to get up this morning, and it's a lot of work in our house, and da-da-da. And so he was like, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep inviting him, but we're going to keep hanging out with him. We're going to keep putting that God thing around him and watch what he starts asking and watch what he starts doing and watch as said, son it's not about you it's not about me it's about the spirit of god that dwells on the inside of us that's what he's wanting he's wanting he doesn't he's only an atheist because his daddy told him he was an atheist he said be transformed change in form are you willing to change or do you keep telling god how to change god if you just just take this little piece off right here god this is the part i don't like this little piece right here i don't, I don't like this piece don't like this piece. If I could just do this. Okay, can I really get in trouble this morning? I don't care. I'll get over it eventually. I, I, I'm so editing right now because I know I'm about to crawl into a hole. You know how we all have that piece on our body that we just don't like? And, and, and I'm going to tell you this because I've heard it over the years. I worked at a gym when I started the church. I, I know how it kind of goes. Ladies are always complaining about this thing right here. You know what I'm talking about? So I remember one, see, my wife's already looking at me. I can't even look at her right now. She's like, I'm going to beat you in a second. Oh, God. Y'all pray, man. Y'all pray because it's going to be a rough Sunday. Amen. Okay. So we went to the gym one day, and, and we go to the gym, and my wife's like, I'm working on my triceps and my delts. Bro, she hit like seven pieces of equipment. Bah, bah, how many did you do? I don't know. I just kept going until it hurt. She's looking. It's, it's, it's working. It's, I said, baby. The next day she goes to the shower. She's like. 
it hurts. And I'm like, ah! okay. No, I didn't laugh. Man, I was like, baby, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. Let, let me help you. Let, no, I was laughing, Jack. I was laughing. Um, I, I promise you I was laughing. Uh, and, and, and it hit me so many times. That's what we do with God. We think that if we go and read our Bible one time, it'll change us. Well, if I work out my spiritual muscle on Monday and forget him on Tuesday through Saturday, I'll get strengthened. No, you're still going to be dumb as you were on Monday because it's a progressive maturity. It's a daily pursuit. It's a consistent, stop running to the house of God thinking, well, I've been in a messed up place and then today I'm going to transform because if I go to church, God's just going to fix it because I went one Sunday. No, come back next Sunday. It might change your life. Come back the following Sunday. You might do a little bit better. Get plugged into Heart of Believer and Discipleship. Get baptized. Hello, Jack. I don't want through the water's cold. Suck it up. Let God do his greatest work in you. Let salvation take its greatest work in you. Let, let God do his greatest thing in you. Be transformed and let the world see it. Yes. Pastor, I don't want to buy the love God love people because I don't want people to look at me funny. They're already looking. You might as well just put a word to it. Let them find out what you're about. I knew there was something weird about you. <laughs> yes, you are. Love God, love people. Why? Because that's just who we are. Transform. Here's the great part. He says, be willing to be transformed or changed in a progressive manner as you mature spiritually. And then he goes on. He says, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you grow. Here's how you transform. Are you ready? Hear it? By the renewing of my flesh. Wait, 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 wait. So transformation doesn't even come up when you give up your sin. Transformation comes when you allow God to renew your mind, which causes you to walk away from sin. See, here's the problem. We keep saying, God, transform us because I gave you my stuff. God goes, no, I transform you because you keep putting me in your stuff. You keep placing me in your stuff. You keep allowing me in to your stuff. You stop running to me when it's a problem. You come to me before the problem exists. You've already sought me. So when the problem comes, you know the right direction to go through the midst of the storm rather than crying out in the middle of the storm. Can, can I say this to you? I, 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 there's a couple of preachers I listened to during the weekend. One sent out a, a, an encouragement. Uh, it's about a 90-second thing. And, and he was talking about the moment where Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, and he was, the, the storms were raging, and, and the waters were turning, and, and the boat was going back and forth, and, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, and the disciples were freaking out because they think they're going to die. And they're like, wake up, you dummy. We're all going to die. Did you bring us out here just to die? And Jesus said those words, and we all wanted to hear, peace, be still. Now, here's the funny part. Ready for this? We use that because we would rather, well, well, let me rephrase that. He said that in this, in this, in this devotion, he said that a Greek scholar had said that, and, don't, and this is not theologically to be challenged, I just said what ifs. The Greek theologian said, what if Jesus wasn't speaking to the storm, he was speaking to the peace inside of the disciples? And so in other words, when he said peace be still, he wasn't talking to the winds and waves, he was talking to the people that were in the boat. And it hit me. I was writing as he was, as he was speaking, and I wrote, and I said this what I wrote. I said, it's amazing how we tell God to deal with our stuff, but we won't let God deal with us. So what we do today is, well, I need God to speak to the storm. Why won't you let God speak to you? What if the storm that's raging is in you, and you keep causing the winds and waves? What if the peace that you need to have, the peace that passes all understanding, is in here, not out there? In other words, the world can rage, but God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The earth can turn upside down, but I understand that the Bible says the earth is his footstool. 
See, I don't, I'm not caught up in the stuff. I'm not freaked out by what's happening in the earth. I'm not freaked out by a pandemic. I'm not freaked out by sickness. I'm not free. Listen, to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord, I'm good. My, my days are ordered by the Lord. Oh, that'll mess you up real quick. Because then death doesn't have sting anymore. And then you have to go into that scripture that says that when Jesus died on the cross, that he, death lost its sting. So if death still stings you, what have you not given to God yet? Are you transformed? Are you renewed? The renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. The word renew is defined as this, to restore or replenish. In other words, to put back in one's original condition or design. To go back to its original creation. Y'all know that we have stepped so far from creation. Do y'all understand that? Like we are not the way God created us in the beginning. And, and, and you can blame Adam, you can blame Eve, and you can get into that sermon with me, and I can, it's Eve's fault. No, it was Adam's fault. He didn't lead his wife. Amen. Um, and all the men look at me like I'm stupid. <sighs> Take responsibility. Conform and transform. Then you get some renewal. Restore or replenish. What are you allowing to renew your mind? What has more access to your thought life than God? Hmm, here it comes. Here it comes. What has more priority to your thought life than God? Well, I want a, a few single folk. I want a girlfriend. I want a boyfriend. How about you find Jesus? You'll find the right thing. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I just, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired of being fat. So I go watch everything, and then you don't do nothing about it. And you didn't ask God what he wanted for you. And, and when he told you to stop pulling through McDonald's, you were like, but I want it. And God's going, but I didn't make it, so quit eating it. Like, come on, like, work with me for a second. Let's just be real for a minute. Let's stop being super spiritual and super holy all the time. Let's just be real. How many times has God told you to not do something? You did it anyway. Because you wanted what you wanted instead of wanting what God wanted for you. And then you're mad because you're like, God, how could you quit on me? How could you let me just be? He said, I did, and I tried to stop you, dummy, but you did it anyway. And I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm going to try to love you through it. I'm going to try to give you an idea and a direction. But if you want to go your way, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not in the fighting business. I'm in the loving business. It's the love of God that draws man to repentance, not the forceful attitudes, the punch in the face, although sometimes I've received those. <laughs> he says, renew yourself. What, what, can I just ask you this? As a believer, how much importance does this have in your life? How, how much importance? And I, let, let me tell you something. Ah, okay, got to be careful. A little old school in me. I'm glad you got a cell phone and an iPad and your Bible's all in there. But God forbid the power go out. You know, back when we were kids, we had things called sword drills. Remember those? You knew where the books of the Bible were. Right today, everybody's like, you got to look in the table of contents. Oh, that's where that book is. Who knew that book was in there? It's like when you tell people to turn the Bible to the book of Habakkuk, and they're like, what? That's in the Bible? <laughs> yes, it's in the Bible. I know it's crazy, but it's there. We don't put an emphasis on the Word anymore. We put an emphasis on what we can get out of the Word. How can this be the foundation if all it is is a handout to fix your stuff? I need this to be the foundation that I stand on. I've told this before, but when I was a kid, I was sick, I think five or six years old, I heard in a service that you need to stand on the word of God. You ever heard that? Stand on the word. Stand on the word. So what I do as a dummy as a kid going home, I went to my bedroom, I took my Bible, threw it on the ground. So all right, God, I'm standing on your word. Now what? 
you blasphemous person, you're standing on the Bible. Maybe you should stand on your Bible. Watch this. I don't know if you saw this. I just grew two inches. Those two inches just gave me a greater perspective. Catch it. Catch it, some of y'all. That's revelation in the middle of preaching right now. Some of you are so low, you forgot to elevate yourself on the word. You keep elevating on people's emotions and opinions. Okay, that sidebar, I didn't mean to go there. Be offended with the youth pastor later. Okay, don't do it with me. He said, renew yourself. How many of y'all want to be new? How many of y'all like the smell of new? Come on, work with me. You know that new car smell? That means if you will let God renew you, you'll get that new car smell. Because people are tired of walking around going, what is that? Can I just be honest? Sometimes the house of God smells funky. Because nobody's renewing anymore. People are just existing, hoping for a handout on a Sunday. This is not the food line. You're not homeless. You have a home. And I don't mean a physical home. You have a home in Christ. Stop walking in here like you're homeless. Having lived like a vagabond out in the streets and coming in here to be fed again, feed yourself, Jack. Renew yourself. Get in your word. Why is it so important? Because without this, you don't exist. He says, by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values, ethical attitudes. Man, if you got a cussing problem, ask God to heal your tongue. God, I don't. Uh, let understand you are dishing out some stuff nobody wants to hear. I watched a mom cuss her kid out inside of Walmart the other day, and man, can I just tell you, I wanted to lay holy hands on that woman repetitively and suddenly. And it wasn't in a prayer mode. It was like, ha-ha, come here. Because that little boy was tore up in tears, and she was berating him. Ah! That one boy, man, I, I, I went to the other aisle. I started praying, God, whatever you got to do, whatever you have to do for that boy, do it. Use him in a mighty way. Ah, just renew yourself. And he goes on, he says, after you've renewed yourself, he said, do this so that, in verse 2, he says, do this so that you may prove. Oh, here we go. Here's what we all live for. I'm going to prove to everybody who I am. That's not what he says. He says, prove for yourselves. Stop being consumed with everybody else thinks you ought to be and become who God's called you to be. What are you trying to prove and who are you trying to impress? Identity does not lie in impressing others. It lies in who you prove to be under the hand of the creator. I'm going to give that one to you one more time. Identity does not lie in impressing others. It lies in who you prove to be under the hand of the creator. If you prove for yourself, then satisfaction comes. When you prove who you are so that others might see you, then you are, concerned, then you are not concerned with how God sees you. Then others now hold the key to your success and victories. Watch. So I'm going to prove to, I'm going to, prove to all of my naysayers who said I'd never be more than a ditch digger. Okay, my stepdad used to tell me that when I'd bring home bad grades. And that was his comment to me growing up as a kid. You'll never be more than a ditch digger. Brian, you'll, be, you'll probably be never more than able to work at McDonald's and flip burgers. And if you work at McDonald's and flip burgers, I praise God for you. But that's what he used to tell me all the time. You'll never be anything. You'll never be anything. You'll never be anything. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you can't get past your own agendas to see the God that's in me and what God's promised me. But believe what you want to believe. Believe whatever you want to do. But that's not going to change who God purposed me to be because I'm not trying to prove to you that I'm better. I'm going to let God get the glory and I'm just going to do what he tells me to do. 
I'll never forget. I'm going to be a little carnal here for a second. Uh, I was a single guy. I was a youth pastor in New Orleans. And I had enough money to buy a big screen TV. Now, mind you, this big screen TV was not a flat screen and the cool ones we had. Those are the box TVs, you know what I'm talking about? They're big boys. Booyah! I was like, boy, I have arrived. I have this big projection television. I'm balling now. And my stepdad came into town. He walked and he goes, how'd you get a big screen? Ooh, everything in me said, because everything you said didn't come to truth. And I wanted to go off on this thing. And I went, the Lord bless me. And I walked off. Uh, and and, and, and I, I realized something in that moment that I didn't need to work for his approval. I needed to serve God so that I could be found holy and acceptable in his sight. I needed to lean into him, not to man. Man, man was just a moment. He's eternity. Let me focus in the right direction. Let me get my attention on the right. Stop proving to everybody who you are. Stop telling everybody what you're good at. Just be good at it. Stop walking around, well, I can do this and I can do beating your own chest because you need to prove to the world what you're capable of. Shut up and serve. Be of value to the kingdom of God. Stop trying to be of value to yourself because you need your ego stroked or you need somebody to get, oh, look how great they are. I don't need you to come up to me after church and say, Pastor, that was a great message. Go home and apply it. Go home and use it. Go home and work it. Go home and do it. Go home and study for yourself. If I can do anything as a pastor, that is to get you in your word so you can grow in your word, so you can grow in the things of God, so that if I die and go, you still keep following God, not a man. Ah, that's my purpose. I'm not trying to prove to you that I'm a great preacher. I don't, I don't walk around and go, man, I'm the baddest preacher on the planet. Look how good I am, man. Aren't you glad you come to this church? Because if it wasn't for me, man, you wouldn't be here. No, shut up. I am humbled by the opportunity that I get to stand here every day. I am humbled by the opportunity that he's got my heart fixed, that I'm not dead, that I'm still alive, that I've been given a longer life because his word promised me that I would have a long life. I am, I am grateful for the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure, but, but not because of what I do, but because of who I serve. I don't walk in a room and go, hey, man, you need to come to my church. I'm a bad preacher. Man, I, I wouldn't go to those other churches. All those preachers are horrible. I'm, I'm, how great am I, God? Come on, church, sing with me. No, I'm not doing that. This is not for my own edification and strengthening. This is so that you might be edified, that you might be encouraged, that you might be used, that you might find your purpose, not in the church, not in me, but in him. I was telling somebody this today. I said, you know, I find it very funny that today in the, in the, in the culture, there are more prophets in the earth today than there were when Jesus was in the earth. I have a problem with that. I don't know if y'all do. I have a problem with that. Everybody's got the title of prophet today. I'm, I'm prophet so-and-so. I'm prophet so-and-so. Shut up. Declare the word. Shut up. Nobody walked in. Jeremiah didn't walk in. I'm a prophet of the Lord. He just started blowing people's heads up. Joel just started declaring the word. They're like, he must be a prophet. When was the last time somebody said, looked at you and said, they must be a follower? When was the last time they saw how you acted and went, whoa. I see God in them. Stop proving to the world. Just be you. Be who God's called you to be and let the world find out. Let them discover it because, boy, if they discover it, they'll want it. Because if you have to shove it down their throat, they'll run from it. I never walk into a room and tell people I'm a pastor. Ever. I don't do it. People go, Pastor, you should tell them. You should tell them you're a pastor. No. Because that shuts down conversations that I really want to have. I don't, I want them to find out later. So you're a pastor? I love when people argue with me just because of my hair. 
there's no way you're a preacher. Why? Because the hair? Here, let me pull it down. I'm still the same guy. But the truth be told is, is that I wasn't this first. I was a follower of Christ first. And the ability to stand in the pulpit and preach the gospel and lead a church every week came out of the relationship, not out of trying to prove to the world that I was better than who I thought I was. What are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to impress? He says, so that you may prove for yourselves. Here comes the last part of verse 2. It says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. What plan and purpose are you living for? What did you wake up for this morning? I waked up, woke up, so I could eat my breakfast, get my cup of coffee, go to church, because that's what I have to do. I'm going to get home, hopefully get home, because Pastor's not going to preach too long. And then I'm going to get home, and I'm going to have enough time to get ready for the Saints game, because all I care about is the Saints go to the Super Bowl. Saints go to the Super Bowl. Saints go to the Super Bowl. How about you get to heaven? How about you stop choosing Drew Brees as your God? I hate to break it this. God doesn't retire, but Drew is this year. Don't say that, Pastor. Don't speak that evil over our team. Because what you make your God will eventually fail you. But if you serve the true and living God, he never will. So that you may prove the will of God. What is the will of God for me? To love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says these are the, this is the greatest commandment that we can live by. To love the Lord God. You understand what loving God is? It doesn't mean just, oh, I love God. It means committing everything in you to God. There is nothing I have or will not have that God did not operate in. Everything that I am, everything that I can be is because of God. My wife is because of God. My four children is because of God. This church is because of God. My car is because of God. My house is because of God. And yea, though I rent a house... It's still of God. You go, no, that's not the promises of God. Who are you to declare what the promises of God are in my life? I'm not living under a bridge. I've been homeless, Jack. This is far beyond being homeless, trust me. But we, 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 we do all this stuff because we want to serve our own will rather than his will. What's his will for your life? Are you a vessel he can pick up off the shelf and use? Or does he have to spend all of his time fixing the cracks in you because you refuse to allow him to do his greatest work in you? What plan and purpose are you living for? Are you a part of his will? Or do you keep struggling to make him a part of yours? In order to maintain the sacrifice and fulfill his purpose in you, these are the five things you have to do. Pastor Ben, come on. Number one, don't conform. Number two, be transformed. Number three, renew your mind. Number four, prove yourself. And number five, walk in his will. Don't conform. Be transformed. Renew your mind. Prove yourself in him. Not in the world. In him. And then you'll walk in his will. If you make this an object of every day of your life, today I'm not going to conform. Today I'm going to allow God. Put those words back up for me real quick, Malachi. Today I'm going to be transformed. Whether I see it or not, today I'm going to be transformed. Because I know that if I don't conform to the world, I'm I'm easy target to be transformed by him. God, I need you to renew my mind. If there's anything upstairs in my mind that is not of you, God, I need you to take it out. I need you to wipe it clean. I don't want to think this way anymore. God, help me to not be worried and consumed by the people around me and their agendas for me, but God, let me walk holy with you. Let me keep my eyes focused on you because I know if I keep my eyes focused on you, the naysayers and the ones that are just there to be uh, watchers in the midst of my life will subside and I'll so see what you want to do. I'm going to do this because it's you and me, God. We're a team.
And out of those four pieces, I'm going to walk in his will. Do you know there is nothing greater than waking up and walking in his will? Paul, you said a minute ago, you said, I can tell you I can breathe. That is the will of your father. That, see, this is the thing. We see it as a healing. That's the will of God manifesting in your life. That's what healing is, the will of God. Man, God doesn't, God doesn't have a desire for you to hurt. I, I'll use one other example. Pam, Pam went through cancer and a lot of treatment. You never got her to say anything bad. Nope. God's going to see me through it. I'm not going to be conformed because cancer says death. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to grow stronger with God now through this than ever before. And I'm going to let my mind be renewed through this process. And I'm going to prove that me and God, we're a team in the middle of this. And now I'm going to walk out of cancer and into my healing, which is the will of my father. How many people die because they're more committed to their will than to his? How many people don't succeed through the process and the progressive, the progressive maturity of the believer because they're more committed to their own process rather than his? I want to read this bit of scripture one last time to you before we close, and then we're going to close this thing up for you. And I hope and pray this is ministered to you, but every once in a while I'll read through scriptures, and there's a lot of translations of the Bible, and sometimes I find myself reading because I'm looking for a little bit more of a human vernacular to the moment. And, and sometimes, not all the time, because... The message version can be a dangerous Bible sometimes, but there's sometimes some really cool things written in there. And, and, and it says this. It says in the message version in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly, quickly, somebody say quickly, respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. For years, I've said in my prayer time, and I've said to God, I said, God, I don't understand why people can claim you, but yet make so many excuses for their poor behavior. What has happened to us who were committed to the fullness of God? What happened to the desire to please God, not to please man? God, why have we walked so far away? We've watered down the gospel to meet our own fleshly desires. We are unwilling to sacrifice ourselves. We're unwilling to crawl up on the potter's wheel. We're unwilling to crawl up on the altar. We just want you to be the trick pony in our existence. God, what is wrong with us? And he said, Brian, the problem is, is that they don't want me anymore. They want them. He said, my people have become their own golden calves. And they spend more time polishing themselves than pleasing me. And I believe at this time, in this hour, in this moment, more than anything, we're done. God's done with the excuses. He's over it. There is a, there is a clarion call in the earth right now. And I think it's louder today. I'm 43 years old. I've been in ministry since I was 19. I have never heard this sound in all of my life. And it is not a, hey, 
Come here, let me hold you. It is the sound of a trumpet blasting saying, you better move now. Because now is the appointed time. You have played with your eternity, and now I'm declaring, choose today whom you're going to serve. I cannot get that any clearer. If I could scream and not have you run out the building, I would. But I hear this every morning. Lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down. God, lay it down. 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 Oh, God. All right, God, I hear you. Yesterday, I woke up in the morning. God said, for the next five days, Monday through Friday, I need you to fast completely. And, and I, he told me Saturday, he said, don't say a word. But I just felt really said, tell him. And this is why. He told me fast completely. Y'all understand how hard that is? No food for five days. In fact, my wife came and she said, baby, like, people, I've read about people who do this. This is not a healthy move. Not that she was trying to talk me out of it. She's like, baby, you really have to, like, I'm like, I know, but I know what God told me. He told me what to fast. I had to pray about one thing each day for five days. He gave me the five things I got to pray about each day. And this is what he told me. He said, I want it. I was telling Pastor Ben this this morning. Was that you and I were talking to my office? And he, God, this is what God told me. He said, it's not about the fast, Brian. I just want to see if you'll be obedient. Obedience. Parents, y'all know how we feel when our kids are obedient? We feel like we've hit it. We're champs now. Wow, when our kids are obedient, we're like, yep, I'm a good parent. Yep, my kids are obedient. When they're disobedient, they're like, what the heck is going on? What God showed me this week was he said, I told Abraham to leave his house, and I didn't tell him where he was going, and he said he would go. And out of his obedience, I made him the father of many nations. He said, Brian, what if it only takes five days for you to walk in the fullness of Hold on, because that was revelation for me. That wasn't for you. That was for me. What if, Brian, five days is the only thing separating you from fulfilling the mandate on your life? What if five days of obedience, I know it's not going to be fun, but what if five days of obedience between me and you is the difference between you becoming what Abraham was with the father of many nations or you missing out on your inheritance? Brian, go do the five days. You got it. I told my wife, I'm going to eat a lot today. And the Lord didn't say I didn't have to. What's separating you from moving forward? The only thing that's separating you from moving forward is you. And your willingness to be a living, a sacrifice, holy, and acceptable to God. Everybody stand to your feet. Friday night fire, we were here, uh, time of worship, and, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have a background in music. My entire family is musically oriented, but God had me walk away from music when I was 21, and, and every once in a while, we'll be up in this moment of worship, and God will lay songs in my, in my chest, and I can't get them out, and in the middle of the time of worship, God started laying these words in my heart, I want to be used. And I really thought about that statement. I want to be used by you. So do what only you can do. You know, what's funny is I'm sitting up here and I'm trying to recollect the words and I can't because it was a moment that we had with God that night. But I found myself every morning waking up, God, 
I want to be used by you today. So whatever you have to do, do it. Y'all, I'm not an early riser, but waking up every morning at 530, the first week was tough. But this last week, man, I was waking up at 528 without an alarm. I'm like, man, I got to get my word. I need to get my prayer time this morning. So I said, Pastor, what, this, week, this whole week I've been putting my kids on the bus, taking them to school, praying with them. Like, we've just been just believing God. For, I'm, 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 my, my little ones are standing at the bus. The bus is coming. Everybody's like, okay, bye. And I'm like grabbing my two little kids. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you're going to lead them and guide them. And Father, I, I know that they might not understand fully yet, but God, I know they're going to walk in the fullness of what you have for their lives today. And they're going to be vessels of your glory, your presence, your power. God, let them have a great day. Let the joy of the Lord be. And I'm declaring this. And everybody's just standing there watching me. Leslie, is it not true? They, the neighbor across there, she's just like. Every day I pray with my kids. Every day I hope I'm walking out at 6 o'clock or 6.30 in the morning. It's cold. Amen. And, 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 and I just pray for the fire of God when we go out. And so uh, I'm just kidding. But I, I grab her and here comes the bus. And I know she's like, Dad, come on, seriously. Dad, stop. Dad, 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 they're going to see us. Uh-uh. Father, I thank you. And my little girl's going to do great things today. That you're going to use her as a vessel to lead. Not just lead, but lead others to Christ. And then I, I pray for Judah when we're on our way to school. And then I make him pray. Hey, boy, you're old enough. Pray. Dad, come on. Come on. Dad, pray, son. And he starts declaring over his siblings. And he starts declaring over his school day. Then I walk. I go home. Or before I leave the house, I'll grab my wife sometimes. I'll put my arms around her. Father, I just think I found myself doing things that I just hadn't been doing. And I feel so refreshed. And ha. Ah, can I just say this? God, just men, husbands, listen to me for a second. Pray for your wives, please. Please, please. There is a, an assignment of the enemy to work on the hearts of women that in turn destroys the hearts of men. Pray for your wives. Lift them up. They need it. Your house will be better because of it. Sidebar. Are you willing to be used? Oh, don't say yes. Yeah, Pastor, I want to be used. Be careful. Be careful. That's a dangerous statement. Because that means you have to die and he has to live. That means everything in you has to go. And he has to consume everything. Because God doesn't halfway use a vessel. He wants all of you. But here's how great that is. That he desires to want all of you. He doesn't want your abilities. He doesn't want your talents. He wants you. So right where you stand with your eyes closed for just a moment, not, this is not a salvation moment. This is not me trying to make it comfort for you. So when pastor calls y'all to call, nobody sees me raise my hands. No, I do that differently. I like to make you, everybody see you. Amen. But this is just a moment. I want you to take the next 60 seconds and reflect over the last two years of your life. And I want you to ask yourself, please don't look at me because I'm not your answer. I want you to look over the last two years of your life and I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I been willing? Have I been willing to be his vessel? Or have I complained? Have I fussed? Have I fought? And if you can say, I have not been willing, I don't need you to move. I need you right in this moment to repent and ask God to forgive you right now. 
your own words, even if you do it quietly in your own head, just right where you are, I just want you to repent. Ask God to forgive you. God, I'm sorry. Father, that, that is my cry for me and my family and my house. And that is my desire as the shepherd of this house, that that would become the cry of our hearts. I want to be used by you, nobody else but you. So take my hands and feet and use them as you please. A living sacrifice, holy acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove that which is the will of your Father, His purpose, His plan for you in the earth. Father, as we walk out of this place today, we all decide to make a fresh commitment to be used by you, to become a living sacrifice, to be presentable to you, Father. Not to the world, to you. Our sacrifices don't count for the world, but it counts for the kingdom. We want to be used by you starting now. No more excuses. No more walking away. No more sin. No more, no more in and out. We're all in. It's game time. So, Father, I ask that you seal this word. You take us from this place that you give us traveling mercies. Father, your anointing would not just follow us, but it would dwell in us and around us and among us. Father, I declare the peace of God to rest in our homes. I declare the rest of the Father to fall into our rooms tonight as we crawl into bed. Let us find the greatest night's sleep we've ever had so that we might be woken up in the morning ready to be used by you. Father, let us be reminded that we are nothing without you. We are everything because of you. Take us from this place today. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Let your peace and your joy be upon us. Continue to bless this house. Continue to bless their house. And Father, for the sake of my home, please let the saints win today. We give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the adoration that's due you. We thank you for another great day at the house. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.
Amen and amen.